2: All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: OMG. Hello, CMOS grillies. It is Emma. I'm with Kate. We're finally potting. We haven't potted in like forever because I was like traveling back home. So we did like a bunch of pre-recordings, but I currently feel like and look like I feel like a lobster on the inside and the outside because I got a terrible sunburn today it is now you know May 1st it is summer weather and people are feral outside but yeah I got a terrible sunburn so you know, note to all you guys to start wearing your supergoop sunscreen. And I also burnt, like, the entire inside of my mouth from my Japanese sweet potatoes. So, you know, just fun sea moss girly things occurring for me over here. But hello, Kate. How are you?
2: Doing well. Happy May 1st. As Emma said, we haven't potted in a while because, you know, we've pre-recorded. We got the founders in here. We're just professional. Many of you girlies have been freaking and geeking in our DMs because it's our billboard era. As many of you know, Emma and I are on a billboard in New York for starting something called the sea moss Girlies, which I've just been thinking about. Like, you know, Emma and I are both that small town midwestern girlies moved to the big apple all of our families probably like what are they going to do with our lives? i think that every single day what am i doing with my life you know it feels like the truman show and emma and i are being known for something called a cmosc girlie, <laughs> something that was not even in the cultural dialect months ago it's still i don't even know if people even know what that means now um i also just made a meme that was like hey guys just because you're a CMOS girly, that does not mean that you actually take CMOS because we have I keep getting so many dis- DMs from people asking for recs. Like if you get, it. you get it. If you don't, you know, at this point, we're not pushing you guys to all go by CMOS, but the billboards are up in New York city. If you want to see them, they're on Prince and Mulberry. And then there's one at the street level on Broadway and Lafayette. Um I and mean, I both live fairly close to them. So it's kind of, it's kind of quirky and fun to be walking by them all the time.
1: Yeah. Every single time I walk down the one by Prince Street, I'm always like, do I need, should I acknowledge myself again? But I feel like I like need to go and like say goodnight to like my words each night now. And it was so cute. My mom, I like texted them the one about like the Lafayette one. And my mom was like, oh my God, you're like right under like H&M. Like uh, she was like so blown away. And she's like, you've really made it, Emma. And like my dad's cousin who lives in Arizona randomly sent me like a handwritten note being like, word has told me that you guys have like that you've made it in new york and i was like damn people be knowing
2: it's nice to get recognition for once i know emma and i behind the pod behind the memes you know we do this all as a labor of love and we get some questions that are sometimes like sniding about like you guys why do you why do you guys have this stupid meme page in this platform and it's like we're doing this for fun We didn't have any intention to be on a billboard one day when we started this. We were just two besties that like to talk about health and wellness, right? And we started making memes. So I think it feels very rewarding for both of us that finally, after doing this for over a year, we feel like people are seeing us. And I feel like I've noticed that because it's people that I'm acquaintances with that are like, oh my God, you have a podcast. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, we've done 77 episodes. I have had one, but thank you for understanding it now. So you know, when you are doing the work kind of in the dark, you know, that that's when you can kind of like tell that you actually are passionate about it, you care about it, like doing stuff when no one's watching. But then when people are watching, it just is like an extra layer of like, damn, people validate me for one time, it feels kind of cool. So yeah, um, the billboards will be up. So if you want to join Geneva, that's what the billboards are advertising. So that's our community platform that Emma and I work on. in every single podcast description you can click the link it's free to join all ages international so hit it on up but as we do in these podcasts we haven't had a list of actually insanely weird things in a while so we have some intro topics that we'll get into before we talk a little bit about eggs so I'm gonna let Emma start because I don't know what this one means at all okay (laughs) I wrote down why is keto bread so tiny
1: there's this one person on Twitter. I think she like found me from Seamus Frilly's. And I think she one time tweeted, like, why is keto bread so tiny? I could eat like six slices of it. But so I've been like eating bread again, like in the morning. Sometimes I like cycle through what I want my like carbohydrate to be like in the morning. Sometimes it's like potatoes. Sometimes it's like, you know, I just eat a bunch of fruit with like yogurt or whatever. But I've been back on the bread. I have Ezekiel bread right now. But I like last week I was like, you know what, let's like be quirky and random and spend $10 on keto bread. Um, And it's from base culture. And like my dad has it. So like that I've had it before, but like the size of the bread is like comical. It's like for Polly Pocket. It's so tiny. Like it's, it's truly like smaller than the palm of my hand. I'm like, why? Like, what, what is, is it up made with of? this? What are yeah, so it's, meaty like, meaty. it's like made out of like musk and almond butter and like a few other things. What I mean fuck? it's not bad. Like I think for like any sort of like gluten-free um like keto type like low carb bread, it's like not that bad. Um like I would buy it again, but I'm back on Ezekiel bread. I'm like this is like way cheaper and like is actually filling. But yeah, very comical. I've been eating a lot of like randomly like bread with like avocado and like everything but the bagel I'm in my basic bitch era. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's been really good. And also I feel like I've been also obsessed with Andrew Huberman lately.
3: Yeah, um, you have if, a people,
1: crush. if people don't know who he is, I feel like he's not as like well-known or not as like talked about as much on like social media compared to like, you know, the Mark Hyman's Dave Asprey's. And I think it's just cause like, he's more mellow and not like controversial, but he is a neurologist. Um, and he's a professor at Stanford, but he has a podcast called like the Huberman lab. And his podcast episodes are like, get really granular and like nitty gritty of like many different topics. He does like a lot of stuff about like brain cognition, et cetera, but also like, you know, exercise and other like health stuff. Um, they're like three hours long. So if you're looking to like fall asleep at night, plug one of his podcasts in, but I've learned so much from him and it's just like nice to like, listen to someone else because I don't know. I feel like all the other health people that I listen to just cycle through like the same, like two or three topics. And I feel like what's nice too about him is that like, I don't know. He kind of acts like when he's like interviewing people too, you know, he doesn't like come off as like an expert and everything. Like he asks like a lot of questions and like admits to like, I'm not perfect. Like, you know, I, you know, allow myself to have like Diet Coke here and there. And I feel like, you know, Mark Hyman, and Dave Hasbro would like literally like shoot you right there. If you like said that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying him, but what,
2: what about you? I've been off the podcast game. Um, I've been embracing the fact that I'm a straight man. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, doing just some reflection. I've been, I have noticed, and I've known this my whole life. I am not innately a type A organized person. You know, I, not, not to say that I wasn't a straight A perfectionist kid. Like I get the work done. I'm a very high achieving person, but my room has never been ornately clean. Everything has never been super organized. I've always had like stains in my sweatshirts and stuff. Maybe this is a part of like my inner child work, but I've realized that like I live alone in my own apartment. Like if I, want, I don't really care that like one of my sweatshirts has a stain on it, I don't need to clean it this very moment like if there's a little bit of dust in my corner I don't need to be a freak and go like vacuum it right now so I've just been allowing myself to relax while I have been like cleaning my apartment which is like another point that I have been cleaning my apartment from 8 a.m to 10 a.m with my headphones on just blaring an album and it's super productive for me I don't like cleaning like in midday or nighttime for some reason like morning is good for me whatever um and my next note is that Olivia Rodrigo like very into the album Sour I went on like a run when it was windy. hell in New York and I was like getting blown over crying very dramatic it's not surprising like you know my upbringing of music of like learning to play the guitar to Taylor Swift that I would be into Olivia Rodrigo but I always felt like you know I am Gen Z, I'm 23 but I was like I'm too old to listen to her but you know she's a she's a lyricist she's a songwriting queen so love that but yeah I've, I've realized I'm a straight man because I my apartment you know kind of just nonchalantly like not gonna say there's like there's not shit on the floor there literally is not like clothing on the floor it's just a little bit off there's always stains on my sweatshirts whatever I have a twin XL bed I don't have a bed frame like I think it's funny I have a podcast like I am a straight man you know and I saw a tweet and it was also a TikTok by this girl I think her name is Aliyah or Aaliyah and it was like if a guy does something it's a red flag if a girl does something it's just a fact (laughs) And I was like, that is true as fuck. Like, the fact that I have a twin XL bed is not a red flag; it's just a fact about me. But if a guy did it, red flag, red flag that I would run away from. So, those are some uh, fun facts about me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I relate to that heavily, actually. Um, I guess another fun update about me—not fun, but I'm gonna probably get like some sort of like hormone panel test uh, for girlies who are curious and like maybe this will be relatable for you. My hormones have been like very out of whack. I you know, just like irregular periods, like really bad chin acne. So I know something is up, but I was talking to Kate about this and I just like wish finding like an OBGYN, getting all those tests was like so much easier. Like it's 2022. I should be able to walk into Walgreens and be like, yo, let me know what my like estrogen levels are. But unfortunately Mm. it's not that. So, you know, TBD on what my results will be. And like, when I get the test, I like texted my mom and I was like, mom, I think I need to get blood work when I'm home. And she was like, what is wrong? Yeah, I was like, nothing's wrong. I just, I don't know what, what's happening with my period. And I would like to know, because yeah, I'm tired of like, you know, going into WebMD and like listening to podcasts from like Stephanie Estima and her being like, this is what's wrong with you. I feel like you need yeah. to get like a true diagnosis. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll have some like fun quirky tips that I'll be able to like implement into my life. And maybe I'll be, be able to pro- provide some insight, but not actual advice because I am not A medical doctor, by any means, I'm a mean poster, but...
2: Yeah, I'm a, you know, I got all my blood work. I got all my panels, so now it's your time. Um, I'm kind of nervous, knock on wood, that it's May, meaning that I'm going to fall to some new illness this month. You know, we've had reoccurring cycles. You guys have heard just about me dying different ways tapping on my Instagram story, confused if I'm dead or alive or if I'm running seven miles. So what TBD, what will happen in May? And my last point is I've been doing this little sensory deprivation chamber. A lot of you have noticed I've been religiously wearing this singular pair of, of um, sunglasses and a headphone combination. My headphones are like the Sony, these like noise canceling ones, like big headphones. The model is WH a thousand xm4 I have it memorized because I get so many tiktok questions about it and then my sunglasses are just some vintage ones but the thing is they're like not actually uv protected sunglasses they're just like fuck around sunglasses they're a blue tint and so I keep wearing them inside (laughs) like I was grocery shopping in them and an employee asked me like oh did you just get your eyes dilated and I was like no I just don't actually want people to like really know I exist and so I can't hear and I can't see like when I'm doing tasks and it's like It's a fun time, so maybe maybe get some headphones, maybe get some glasses and just be a goofy goober like me, but um, today's episode's about eggs, if you tapped into it. We have a lot of vegan girlies, a lot of you guys, this is not going to be about like recipes, this is more about like the diet stuff and like, you know, ethical sides, like if you should eat eggs and all of those quirky fun questions, so yeah, I'm excited to pod. We haven't done it in a while, and let's get into it. Hell yeah. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking athletic greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it.
1: For me, I started taking athletic greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell
2: you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day.
1: You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health.
2: To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Meet Rootless, the daily bite, a whole food, once daily nutrition bite. The goal of Rootless is to make the
1: incredible benefits of seaweed accessible to everyone in an easy and delicious format because all wellness
2: gods love iodine. Each daily bite provides 60% of your daily iodine needs. 20% 20% of your daily iron needs and 40 plus essential nutrients and bioactives. The
1: bites are made from sustainably sourced seaweed, almonds, dates, and seeds, and they come in three delicious flavors, including coconut chai, double strawberry, and orange pistachio. I love taking mine in the morning with a cup of coffee. It is such a pleasant way to start my day.
2: You can use code CMOSGIRLIES for 15% off rootless starter kits. Now back to the show. All right, Eggs. We'll get into it now. We're going to start off with sort of the history about eggs from a more structural perspective, like in the kind of U.S. context, when we talk about diets. um, We're going to get into the egg industry because I think a lot of stuff with food and food choices, you don't really think about the food before it gets to your plate. And I feel like that's always like the interesting point, at least when it comes to food ethics, you know, like we've talked a lot about how you know, having a choice um, to choose organic versus not organic, there's so much privilege privilege associated with like all these diet choices. And I think it's more interesting to think about like where your food comes from, because we're just like detached from that in like a globalized society. So to start it off, I feel like when I grew up, at least uh, eggs were demonized my household. So my dad has had three heart attacks. And so that was kind of like the push that I'm going to talk about with like this anti-egg, you know, propaganda, if we want to say, or just anti-egg push in American culture um, was definitely pushed in my family just because that like history of heart disease in the family. So I didn't feel like I ate many eggs growing up. I ate like a scrambled egg here or there, but they were not like a staple in my diet. And I just felt like in the back of my head, I thought they were always bad for some reason, which I think is like a relatable point. Um, So to start off in the sixties and seventies in the U.S., the harms of smoking cigarettes and like nicotine were already on the radar of like health professionals. And the new concern that like medical professionals were trying to get to the public was going to be the connection between your diet choices and heart disease. So like heart disease was becoming a huge killer in the United States and like health professionals felt a push to kind of tell people what was like good food, healthy food and bad food. So this is like when the total focus on individual lifestyle choice towards better health started to enter you know, media and politics and everything. And it's kind of coupled with like Reagan neoliberalism into the 80s. So it makes sense from a political context that it's all about like what you go and buy is going to impact your outcomes, kind of focuses away from the healthcare system and focuses on like what you are able to purchase with your dollar. So scientists started to have evidence um, based on like clinical studies that foods with saturated fats like eggs and meat could raise your LDL cholesterol. So there were a lot of complexities, obviously with that statement, that scientists didn't yet understand and they didn't have a lot of data on it but based on that factoid alone like scientists kind of ran with that so eggs are started to be demonized as a high cholesterol food which is like what i feel like i grew up knowing about eggs i was like oh your cholesterol will go up if you eat eggs so don't eat eggs and red meat um in addition to something that i don't really think about but the negative kind of press and press push against eggs continued into the 1980s when raw eggs were linked to salmonella poisoning. So like, I'm sure you heard that as a kid, like don't eat raw cookie dough, you're going to get salmonella poisoning. So that was another reason to not eat eggs. But then the message changed in 1999. So there was a study published in JAMA, which was a leading medical journal, found that there was no link actually between egg consumption and your risk of cardiovascular disease the only the only people that this could be prone to is people with type 2 diabetes so then into the early 2000s this sort of shifted like the american diet and like relationship with eggs so this lack of relationship between eggs and cardiovascular disease was then reaffirmed in 2013 when there were like a study involving over 3 million people that you know ate eggs and they analyzed their diet and lifestyle race and ethnicity and all the factors that could play into like how eggs affect your body. So from that point, eggs have seemed to be kind of, you know, put back to a status where they are a part of a healthy diet um, and so much that it became fashionable to sort of like keep chickens in our farms and in industrial farming, which is what I'm going to get into next. So, you know, we've done a lot of episodes about food and climate change. This is kind of considered to be the next one. So overall, the egg industry um, is probably going to be a lot more shocking to you than you think. For me, at least, like, I don't, I don't really think like, oh, yeah, like, Eggs are where there's probably a lot of animal welfare issues because it's just like the, the chickens are pooping out the eggs like what what could go wrong here you're not slaughtering animals but the conditions that chickens are kept in have so many like um, human rights or human rights animal rights uh, issues raised by it. So basically when like eggs are produced, it should be with maximum consideration for not only the health and welfare of the chickens, but also the workers and the environment. So kind of the factors that this would mean if like eggs were produced in the most ethical and humane way would be that the eggs from the hens are fed a nutritious and varied diet, which doesn't contain any animal byproducts. So if you stop right there, like, oh shit, that's gross. The eggs that I'm eating, the animals are fed other animal byproducts. Like, yuck, that's going into me. The next thing is that um, hens are made to, are allowed to like exhibit their natural behaviors, which is including things like foraging on pasture or range. They're also free from harmful physical modi- modifications, um, such as breaking off beaks, beak tipping, or force molting. Now, these are like kind of gross things. You don't need to Google them, but just inhumane conditions put on the hens. Um, Another thing that would be considered is making sure that the hens are kept free from disease through clean and healthy living conditions. They're spared unnecessarily suffering. They're spared. Yeah, I'm like, can I read English? Jesus Christ. They're spared from unnecessary suffering and treated humanely throughout their lives. They're not housed in numbers where they're all cramping. Um, And they're also raised by farmers and workers who are treated well and paid fairly. Now, is that the reality? Definitely not. If you know anything about the industrial agricultural system, that is not how most egg farms or like where we get our eggs are actually operating like. Um, But when it comes to like looking at animal agriculture and if you're looking at pork and eggs and just everything in that industry, the egg industry is a lot less concentrated than most. Meaning like if you know anything about monopolies, it's basically just like there's one big player and everyone else is like not able to, you know, kind of compete with them. So Um, there's about, there's like top five egg producers they've said, but it only controls about 36% of the, the hens. But in comparison, the beef industry, the top four companies control about 85% of the market. So at least with the egg industry, there is a little bit more opportunity for smaller farmers to have a stake in like the future, I guess, of the egg, not going to say egg farming, egg industry at large. And the vast majority of us eggs though. Do come from hens that are raised in conventional systems. So they're going to be raised in cage systems and barns, which are also known as CAFOs or factory farms. Um, So that's kind of like a broader, I guess, like outlook at the egg industry. Now, when it comes to the egg industry and its relationship to climate change, most of this is going to relate to the fact that it is still operating in an industrial agriculture system. So when you think about the energy and the fuel that goes into like these large scale productions, eggs are still gonna be bad for that reason. Um, In comparison to the industrial production of beef or even chicken, eggs do tend to have a smaller footprint, but there's still gonna be larger issues that are things that you probably don't think about when it comes to large-scale egg facilities. This could be things like environmental pollution, poor work conditions and health consequences for the surrounding community. The average egg is gonna come from a factory farm, so like the hen is not gonna be treated. They're gonna be cramped together in very unhealthy, inhumane conditions. and so, like, another part of kind of this environmental impact of egg production, like, stuff that kind of was blowing my mind, just stuff I don't think about, is that the feed production for egg laying hens was identified to be one of the most harmful categories analyzed. So, the, soy, the soybeans are the things that go to feed chickens, and soybean cultivation alone occupies the most land that's needed for any sort of production of animal products. So, like, that is something that's another unseen part of our you know, food system that is very hard for you as a consumer to think about when you are scaling like decisions at the supermarket Um, and the average lifespan for a chicken is about five to eight years but one that's raised on a factory farms is considered to be spent after one or two years, so that's like from another animal welfare lens um hens whose egg production has dwindled are actually considered to be unprofitable by the industry and they're sent to slaughter so they can be like replaced by new chickens it's once again very inhumane and there's like also an environmental cost of manufacturing the packaging that goes that egg cartons go into um even though like the transportation of eggs and hens is ranked like pretty low compared to other animal agricultural like things the, the transportation um so are most you know farms actually going to be Uh, Kind of humane. It doesn't doesn't really sound like it, you know. Most European countries have free range hens, um, but a lot of the EU still kind of has like a growing concern for animal welfare. Um, In addition to just the production of eggs as well, like the the farms also generate effects like greenhouse gases just based on the way like the fuel is produced, and also like contamination of soil and water. So once again, when you're thinking about like the egg industry, it's not really smart to think about like that I think that you see all these graphs where it's like all about like eating one egg equals one drop of water and one pile of grain whatever like that is just intangible to feel like your dollar you know matters but it's like more important to think about the systems that it's affecting so like the fuel that goes onto the farm all the water produced like the you know the human rights angle the animal welfare angle that I talked about before Um, because it wasn't even until like the 1980s that all of this like pressure about like holy shit, our industrial farming system is really bad. Like, you know, we were able to raise animals and stuff that weren't contributing to climate change. It's just the way that we're doing it. It's not so much the animals and the livestock. And I know some vegans are going to say like eating all animals is bad. Like there are plenty of issues with the way that fruit is farmed, for example, which we've talked about before. So that's, I think the most you know helpful frame to think about the ethics of eating eggs.
1: Yes, absolutely. And we're going to get into like the health Portion next, but also I would just like love to know a study on like how much energy is required to produce like just egg or like all the vegan egg alternatives. Totally, because I feel like you know if you read the ingredients on there, it's like very craziness, and oftentimes like a lot of like plant based alternatives actually like are more detrimental than just eating the real egg. But getting into like the health, so as Kate mentioned with like the whole like cholesterol fear, you know there was kind of like a whole talk about that like in the sixties and seventies from like different studies that were kind of published, but. Again, it's like long been believed that like eggs would increase the risk of cardiovascular disease because egg yolks do contain cholesterol and high levels of cholesterol. You know, do you tend to mean that you have a greater risk of heart disease? And I feel like this was always like an argument that I always, that I would always bring up when I was vegan, like to my family, whenever they would eat eggs, but like, actually when I get kind of more into like the research that I'll go into in a little bit, um, it's kind of like a dumb claim to like make, or like a dumb fact to even bring up. So essentially in 1968, this is the year that the American Heart Association suggested that people consume no more than like 300 milligrams of cholesterol a day and no more than three eggs a day, but it's kind of like a little bit like murky waters. No one really knows how they came up with this like random arbitrary number of like not to eat more than three eggs a day. So this is kind of like the time when like food with cholesterol became like the biggest villain, just like, you know, now it's like anything that has a carbohydrate, that's like the biggest villain in, you know, our food system today. But just to like make, I think like one- Key note is that like cholesterol is actually very important for the body as it contributes to like the membrane structure of every cell within our body. And it's also needed to make like hormones and vitamin D and really only about like one third of the population is considered like a hyporesponder, which essentially means like they are going to be more susceptible and like when they eat high cholesterol foods their blood cholesterol in their body will raise due to this like consumption but this is like mostly genetic and again it's only one third of the population so like most of us are not going to see any correlation between like us eating like a food that contains cholesterol and like the rising of like cholesterol within our blood system and so 300 milligrams of like again this cholesterol a day kind of remained the baseline dietary guidelines for a really really long time until like 2015 which is like pretty recent and this is when they basically like discover that really little relationship between dietary cholesterol and the blood cholesterol because research has now shown that like the cholesterol in our bodies which is made mostly in our liver uh does not come from the cholesterol that we eat and it's actually stimulated by the cholesterol from saturated and trans fat and not dietary Perspective: one egg only contains like 1.5 grams of saturated fat so like really like that's not going to actually elevate your blood cholesterol compared to like maybe if you're eating like a bunch of like you know bacon or processed like breakfast sausage. So, you know, there's other things that you should probably take into consideration when it comes to like your cholesterol, like being like raised versus you like eating an egg. Um, So that's kind of like, yeah, like the high level of like when it comes to cholesterol.
2: Yeah. And bouncing off that, like if you are an individual that has certain health concerns and your doctor says like, don't eat eggs, like we are not your doctors, obviously. And Emma and I are not like cosplaying as doctors here. This is just kind of like the average person's guide to this. And bouncing off that as well, like the kind of the cholesterol demonization, when you think about when, you know, let's say our parents grew up, um, for example, like you're not going to be able to have as many sources of information. Like we have access to the internet and social media. So now there's all these newer opinions and just like new shit that you see on TikTok. And like, it is this difficulty because our parents were probably just given like one piece of health advice from like the American Heart Association or something. And then we have like, a million people on tiktok parenting different talking points um so it is kind of difficult to know like what to do but at the same time like it does offer offer like more insight about you know what is healthy and what is not healthy so another thing about eggs you know your girlies are into things like omega-3s and so when you see on a food label like what omega-3 eggs it means that the hens were fed food fed food they were given feed i guess that's the proper way to say it um that it has been rich in omega-3 fatty acids. So like it leads the eggs then to have more omega-3 fats, which can be just be a way to add more of those to your diet. So it's what the chicken is being fed, for example. But some of you guys were like, how many eggs should I eat in a week? Like what's normal? Because I see some crazy videos on TikTok where people are like, I ate five eggs in one day. And I'm like, what is that? Good, bad, ugly, right? Like, what's average? So the average egg consumption in most countries is about like three to four a week, which might seem like low. If you're someone that eats like an egg every single day, or like maybe more than one, um, the average American eats approximately 277 eggs per year. So that's going to be less than one a day. But you think about all of like the different, you know, dietary choices that there are in the United States. Like that's why there is that range. Um, and we talked about like cholesterol earlier. And basically the big thing is that like, it's easy to be confused about like a high blood cholesterol, versus dietary cholesterol so those are like two separate factors which is like kind of why people are confused about eggs um yeah yeah and then we
1: also have questions about like you know should I even eat like the egg yolk like should I only be eating the egg whites and I feel like you know it's very common I think like when you kind of get into like diet like toxic diet spaces on Instagram people are always like only eat the egg whites because they're high in protein they have like two calories like I it's know like my the, literally it's like
2: the same bitches that scoop out their bagels it's like when you get on those like bad eating disorder hmm. not bad like you're not going down them purposely but they like come up on your page and it's someone like diet hacks eat a eat cream cheese and a bell pepper I'm like ew I'd rather die than do that what the
1: fuck and I know it's like really common just like in for like dudes like you know that are into like bodybuilding or just like lifting weights like to just like only want to eat like egg whites and I know like my brother fell down kind of into that trap so Again, like kind of like all spaces can be very toxic, but I'm kind of going to like break down like the differences between like the egg yolk and the egg white. But like, just so everyone knows, the egg yolk is probably like the healthiest thing within the entire egg and you do want to eat them. And so the egg yolk is really where like a bulk of the vitamins are going to come from. So you're going to be getting things like iron, zinc and calcium. And also like egg yolks are incredibly great for brain health because they contain basically like every nutrient that is like linked to brain health. So again, this is going to include like Protein, iron, zinc, selenium, iodine, folate, vitamin A, choline, and like polyunsaturated fatty acids one and three. One interesting thing about choline, though, this is like what I learned from Andrew Herberman, by the way. Um, so it's an important micronutrient that the body uses actually to create acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter that helps regulate mood and memory. There's been many studies that have found that like the higher intake of choline was actually linked to better memory and brain function, and so one egg contains about like 147 milligrams. And so eating two eggs, you know, a day is going to give you over half of your daily, um, value for choline, which is roughly about 550 milligrams. Now, if you're someone who's like, you know, what, how other, how, what other like foods can I get from choline? Maybe you're like vegan, perhaps, um, different food sources that you can like eat for that include, like, it's going to be mostly like fish and dairy, but there's going to be like some vegetables as well. So definitely just, you know, go down the little Google rabbit hole to find what, you know, works within your, in your diet. But then egg yolks are also going to be really great for eye health because they contain lutein, which is a car- cart carton um, which is an antioxidant. And it's like linked to protecting ourselves from like blue light. And like really the biggest difference between like egg yolks and egg whites is that like egg whites are pretty much just like pure protein. And it is considered a complete protein. So it contains all like nine essential amino acids, but like, that's really the only benefit that you're getting from like the egg whites. So Truly, if you want to get the biggest bang for your buck, nutrition wise, eat everything. And also like, you will just like stay more full if you like eat the yolk with the egg white.
2: Yeah. And the next question that people ask a lot about is like, okay, how do I go shop for eggs? Like, I have no idea what certifications are bunk and which ones are good. Um, I would Google the words, a guide, you know, you'll come across a lot. You can kind of like compare sources because there's going to be a lot of information about like which certifications mean the most, but we're going to do like a quick run through of which ones that like I found to be the most significant. So, um, certain ones that you should look for are going to be things like USDA organic, which we'll talk more about animal welfare approved and biodynamic. Now, like if you go to the grocery store and you don't see any of those certifications, like it might be difficult to find all of them. Basically organic, um, is kind of housed under like this, there's specifics within the category of organic when it comes to eggs. So like animal welfare approved, certified humane, global animal partnerships, what those mean that like it ensures the birds are raised in pasture, which we'll talk more about later. Um, The USC organic label is a little bit broader that doesn't address all like animal welfare concerns, which are kind of vetted by the most like liberal progressive organizations, right? So like that's gonna be the hardest threshold to meet to have all of those things. Um, the organic label is going to be one of the strongest standards when it comes to environmental sustainability. So, that's going to be something that comes to like pesticides and fertilizers. That's going to be more about like the animal feed, that the animal feed has to be 100% organically produced without any animal byproducts. And there's no GMOs when it comes to organic. Um, so, that's like the biggest, I would say, like broadest category that I saw.
1: And then kind of like break up between like, what is like cage-free, free-range, et cetera. Like what do all these like different labels mean? I like know that like I always confuse whenever I go to like the grocery store and I never know which is like the best. So to start off cage-free, this is a term that is actually regulated by the USDA. And it essentially means that, you know, the chickens can move freely within the building or hen house that they are within and they have unlimited access to fresh food and water. Now, the only issue is that cage-free, there's no space requirement under this term. Now, however... A certified Humane Program, which is basically just, like, a certification that basically, like, you know, ensures that, like, proper animal care standards are put in place for wherever these, like, chickens, cows, etc. are being raised. They, if, so if an egg carton is cage-free and it has a Certified Humane Program sticker or logo on it, this means that it must, that the chicken must have at least, like, 1.5 square feet, like, per hen um, So, like, you know, you can obviously visualize how much that is, but like, that's how much space a chicken basically has, in whatever living environment that that they have, if it's like a cage-free hen.
2: Yeah, and the next kind of like complication of it is that this move to cage-free was sparked in 2009 by the California legislature. A lot of progressive organiz- or progressive legislation in the United States starts at the state level. When you look to states like New York and California specifically, a lot of things that then move to the federal level were like were a bill in this those states like plenty of years ago and they're kind of like model legislation that then like the u.s congress at the federal level like adopts for all of us to pass so like the thing with cage free is that cage free barns to to a degree are kind of not that much better than battery cages because like there's no like significant difference in terms of like the environmental impact so not like how the chickens are like raised and treated but like cage-free systems are better in terms of like movement. Like Emma was saying for like the chickens to express their natural behaviors, but they're worse in terms of like higher disease and injury rates. Also a lot of egg producers have kind of poured money into these new barns to meet the, you know, the industry-free cage-free pledges. But it turns out that like a lot of consumers don't know what the word means. So they're not willing to pay for it. So at the end of the day, like it's not making that much of a difference because people once again are like, what the fuck's cage-free? Do I buy this? Um, And like, as we, you know, food industry is different than supplements, like food does have a lot more stringent regulations. But if you're a small farmer, you have to go through a lot of paperwork and extra up to like get these certifications. And if people like aren't even going to, you know, choose your product for having a certification, it might not be worth it anyways.
1: Yeah. And then the next uh, term is like free range, which I'm sure like a lot of us probably see. And I think this is like one that's often promoted as like, you know, being the best. So this term is going to be also regulated by the USDA and essentially just means that the chickens have continuous access to outdoors during production cycle, but this may or may not mean that like they might be fenced in when it comes to like the outdoors or have some sort of like netting material. So they're not going to be like, you know, fully free range in the sense of when you think about like a free range, like, you know, cow where it's able to like roam and graze the land for like, you know, multiple acres. And it also does not specify how much space or what outdoor means. So essentially like, you know, egg, an egg carton can have this label, but the hens may be outside for a maximum of five minutes a day, you know? So it can be like a really like confusing term. And again, like consumers don't actually know what they're getting, but again, if it has a certified humane program label on it, they basically require that chickens must have a minimum of like two square feet of outdoor space per bird, and they must be outdoors for at least six hours a day. So, you know, again, you can like look for eggs that have like the free range, you know, on the carton. But if you're like actually like very concerned about like the ethics or like the conditions of eggs, definitely look for like the certified humane program label. And the next is going to be pasture raised. So this is actually not regulated. So this is a label that's often utilized just to confuse customers and like, you know, to probably surcharge, but the Certified humane program, again, they basically require that like it has a chicken needs to have at least 108 square feet of each to like roam freely. So like, that's like the most amount of like, you know, space that like really a chicken is going to have when it comes to these three different labels. And they must also be able to have access to barn space. And there's actually only 8 farms that are certified humane pasture raised and I know that Vital Farms is actually one of them so I know that they sell those eggs at Whole Foods and probably other like you know specialty grocery stores so if you ever see like the Vital the Vital Farms pasture raised just know that like that's going to be like the best quality of eggs when it comes to like living conditions is
2: that the brown label i'm trying to think about what it looks like
1: yeah i'm pretty sure it's the brown label because my dad is like kind of like a freak when it comes to like quality of eggs and he's like always make sure you get the brown eggs
2: yeah the brown ones are organic as well yeah um so when, when it think when you're thinking of the words pasture alternative kind of what that means is like you're just allowing the chickens to like do whatever the fuck they want like it, you're also allowing them to have a more diverse nutritious diet so this is something when we think about like how the food system was working before humans came and fucked it up with like colonization and like industrial agriculture is that like this would be a way that builds soil health and it produces just like a more nutritious egg it's just crazy when you think about like do go into systems thinking about like how what we're doing to our chickens impacts our health impacts the planet like why would we do something that is detrimental for all of these things like why would we feed the chickens just shitty stuff put them in a bad condition um then you know we're gonna let like a few people a few wealthy people control it and then everyone's just gonna have to eat shitty quality eggs and the planet's gonna get worse like it's just crazy the mentality of like rich greedy white men that are just like no yeah i actually just want a lot of money so we're gonna do it this way well everyone else can fucking suffer it is it's like wild once you look at every single sector um it's a lot of, a lot more expensive to raise hens in this like pasture alternative though because like every profit that like a white man's dollar wants is not going to be something that is like good for the planet and good for human health it's just it's so fucked makes me so pissed um kind of the other thing about like why eggs are kind of in this like wonky area with like all these certifications we just talked about um is because like the kind of the food safety and public health regulation when it comes to egg production so it's both like the food and drug administration the fda and then the u.s department of agriculture the usda that deals with egg production so The FDA is going to be one that like inspects eggs and is in charge of regulating the chicken feed. And then the USDA is actually in charge of like what the consumers see. So this is going to be more of like the egg products that you see at the grocery store. And this tension here, you'll see in a lot of branches of government about like why bureaucracy is so inefficient is because like they point fingers at each other. So if like there were to be a huge issue with egg production and like, let's say like consumers had like a, maybe a safety issue where like a lot of people got sick from some sort of egg batch, like. I'm guessing the, fig- the people at the USDA would point figures at the FDA and go back and forth, and being like, "No, like you're the w- you guys were the w- in charge of the reason that all these people are mad." So it's why a lot of systemic changes don't really happen when it comes to food production because there's a lot of overarching branches of government that makes it pretty fragmented and ineffectual. Um, that's like my my political wonky thing. Haven't I haven't exercised that in a while now that I'm like a fucking TikToker. Um, sad. Anyways, so what would be bad for best for our food system when you're thinking about the egg? you know, the egg industry. So there is actually, you know, as we said before, before we fucked everything up with industrial agriculture, like we were able to eat eggs in a habitable way that wasn't like bad for the environment. Um, it would be allowing hens to range free on pasture. It would be supplementing their foraging. So like their diet with organic feed, only bringing them indoors to at night to protect them from predators. So not keeping them inside all day. Um, once again it would be starting at like the chicken so feeding them this diverse diet eating grasses seeds things that they used to do before like they were fed like soybean cultivated shit um and then also realizing that like when you are letting hens do this pasture method it's so much better for the environment um and hens can play an important part in like building this healthy soil so like you know completing the carbon cycle there and it also just helps smaller farmers um, the one thing to know is that there is hope the egg industry is improving. So when you're looking at 1960 to 2010, actually egg production is releases, releasing significantly less polluting emissions than it did, which is about 71% lower. When you look at most other food sectors, things have only gotten worse. So it's actually promising that like the egg relationship to climate change is getting better. It takes 32% less water produced to produce a dozen eggs. And the hens today, like a little over half amount of the feed or they use a little bit more little use more less feed to be alive basically like they're eating less food than they were like years ago so it's just a lot more productive and a lot more efficient than it was one but the issue once again is that like there is kind of in every part of the food system there's a monopoly so it's really hard for smaller farmers to like quote do the right thing get the organic feed and like you know pay everyone a fair wage so that would be some structural stuff if our government got its shit together. So TVD on that one. Um, we're just we're just two meme makers. So I don't know if we have any legislation we could pass one day. It's gonna be so wonky when like people our age are like in branches of government, you know? Like people that grew up like consuming memes are in the government.
1: Yeah, I often think about that when it comes to like corporate like jobs and like when all of us are more like in executive roles and like are we all just gonna like be like, yeah, four-day work week and everyone gets to shut their computers off at two? Cause
2: like that's that is the American dream for me. Yeah, same. Um, but cheers, dog. We did another pod. Wow, I forgot what it's like to just those vocal cords. I'm feeling. I feel like I need a, a soft. A, I know soft my little drop, laptop started. My laptop started like overheating. My MacBook has not been put to the test like this in a while. She was not prepared. We've been working, but yeah, it's a Sunday night. Um, you know we'll have to make some more memes, do some more girl boss shit. But I don't know. No exciting news really besides us. I mean, follow us. Follow Supple. We've been posting a lot about our supplement company and you guys will come along the process with that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, follow the memes, give us a nice little cheeky review on Apple podcasts. It does help us believe it or not. I don't really know how, but I know it somehow does. Um, And we're going to have some more events coming up in the few weeks. You know, it's finally warm out, you know, COVID is over. So that means we can all kind of mingle. Uh, So TBD on all the fun things to come for the summer.
2: Yeah. Keep manifesting that, you know, there's no new strains that lead to an outbreak and we can all have some semblance of chill in our lives. So thanks, Emos Girlies. Um, Thanks for listening to the pod. Talk to you next week.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?